This is Rated Raw with Alex Evers and Jamie Price. What's up, everybody? We're back with another episode of Rated Raw with legendary F1 racing photographer Jamie Price, my idol, my hero. No, I feel not, so lucky I get to talk to him every day. You must be talking about somebody else. Uh, I'm probably talking about myself. I got a really big ego here. I had to back the computer away so I could get my whole head into the uh, picture. I can't even see half your head because you've got a microphone in front of it. Alex think he's, thinks he's a professional podcaster now. After one podcast episode, he's just like pro level. It's, he's just bought this thing and doesn't even know how to use it. And it's just, just I, I don't even know what to say, but it, it does make you sound good. It's a, it's like it's a flex. It's so you. big. It's so big. It's, in the, it's right here in the front, the foreground. I know. It sounds nice. Well, you know, you cut down one tree and all of a sudden you're a lumberjack. Maybe this is a lesson <laughs> to other photographers. You take one nice picture and then you go out and you buy a 1DX and an 800-5.6. And, <laughs> and you're a professional photographer. And you just strap it on and you go. Yeah. This is, uh, this is rated raw, though. Episode two, technically. Technically two. We may we may go back and redo episode one. <laughs> well, now that I got this awesome microphone and I sound good, I think we should go back and do episode one. Plus, I probably said like a lot of stupid stuff that I don't want actually out in the wild. So yeah, maybe. Um, but uh, as Alex said, I'm Jamie Price. But more importantly, I'm here with legendary horse racing photographer, who apparently is the best photographer in the world. Quote according to Bob Baffert. Who, if you don't know who Bob Baffert is. Fire up the old Google machine and start typing. But he's you don't a legend. Know Bob... oh, he's a legend sorry. himself. But uh, you know, Alex Evers is a good friend of mine, um, and we both just have uh, a lot of fun every time we're together. So we figured, why not get together when we're literally across the entire country and talk to each other, drink some beers, and uh, you know, just just chat like two bros in the bar but mostly about photography and all that stuff. That's right. So Alex, how have you been? What are you up to? What are you, what are you going to do uh, this weekend, this coming week? Well, first of all, what beer are you drinking this week? I am drinking Birdsong Brewing and it's called Rewind and it's a lager. Oh, that can's rad. I like that. They, too. Do, they do some really cool cans. Big fan. Great job. Birdsong. It's local to Charlotte. Um, we're trying to do some like different beers every time we do this, but I'm kind of a lager guy myself. So I feel like I'm going to run out of original beers rather quickly from Charlotte breweries. I'll have to send you stuff. Uh, I'm back in San Diego again this week. I'm with the ale Smith, the sublime. And if you don't know anything about bars in Los Angeles, like they just play sublime nonstop. And since we're trying to treat this, like it's a two bros at a bar talking, about photography, why not have a beer, so, beer representing the song that just gets played, Santeria? I think, in fact, when I was in seventh grade, I think we did like a project and I played guitar and I covered that song by myself on a couch with a guitar and played it for the class on a video, thinking all the girls G- were going like to Guitar Hero, Guitar Hero <laughs> doesn't count, man. No, it was a real guitar and I was not a hero and it, it, it did not, didn't work the way I thought it was going to work. Anyway, Alex is based in Los Angeles and, uh, a legendary horse racing photographer and I'm uh, proud to call him a good friend of mine. And um, yeah. So what are we doing again with this podcast, Alex? Uh, We're just talking about photography and sharing our experiences and giving advice for those who need it that are starting out that want to be photographers, kind of teaching them the right way to do things, maybe teaching them from some of the things we learned not to do or things we learned to do and kind of giving that advice to the younger generation. 
I don't know about you, but I've never made any mistakes in my entire career. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, I've, al- I've already flunked once at being a freelancer back in 08, 09. <laughs> so, you know, I have a little bit to talk about. Um, right. Well, so what are you uh, doing? What are you shooting soon? What are you going to be covering? Uh, I got to get on a plane tomorrow night and going to Hong Kong covering uh, the first leg of the four-year-old classic series, which is their Hong Kong triple crown, basically. Sweet. So, pretty fun shooting uh marketing campaign stuff jockeys trainers so should be good i'm a little worried about tsa to be honest yeah i i'm i too am getting on a plane tomorrow morning uh bright and early i think my boarding is at fox 6 so uh, i too will be in the tsa lines bright and early tomorrow hopefully the government shutdown um, doesn't really slow us down too much. Fortunately, I do not have as far to go because I'm only going to Daytona Beach, Florida. So you have one flight or connections? Connections. I'm a Delta man. Uh, this is in no way sponsored by Delta, but I'm a Delta man, and always have been since I started flying. I just feel like they have the best customer service, and when you fly a lot, customer service matters. So I'm an American yeah. guy for these uh, these international trips, and I've become more of an American guy. Because now I'm like gold status, plug, you know, flex right there a little bit. Plat- platinum. You are? Oh, come on, man. Anyway, though, but my, my mentor, when I started, he gave me a good piece of advice when I got a credit card and got my first flight somewhere. And he goes, pick an airline and fly one airline. If the flight's yep. like $20 more, $30 more, it's yep. worth it in the long run because you do get the miles. Even if it's and- $1,000 more, it's worth it. Maybe not 1000 but I, I have I have flown flights that are – expensive enough that most people would say it's not worth it but honestly like when you get yourself in a pinch and you you have issues where there's delays or cancellation or they lose your bags or they stick you in a city that you don't want to be in overnight having an airline that you can actually rely on is a big 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 deal and southwest unless you're like southwest like elite member or whatever they aren't going to help you at all they're going to tell say, me that Good luck. That's my that's my airline of choice uh, domestically because you can get gear on as a photographer. I fly it like yeah, you, in the states yeah. only. But yeah, I, I haven't just, had an I issue need, yet. Uh, I just need that that reliability from from customer service. And when I call Delta's customer service line, they pick up and they t- like say hello by name, and I have a dedicated line to call, and it's awesome. But that's just from flying them. Yeah, well, I, I, I had the exact same thing where I had a flight where I my flights are covered on economy. And maybe this is something we can talk about with pricing, but I have to fly an economy ticket home. And like the flight that I normally fly back at nighttime was nothing available. But if I looked at any other seats, I could find more seats. And I had to call them up and they hooked it up, made it happen. Yeah. And yeah, so, I would never got that. Moral Otherwise, of the story, pick, pick, a, pick an airline, pick a car rental place, pick a hotel chain and stick with it. All right, man. So, hey, you took some questions on Instagram the other day, and I think yeah. we're going to keep putting out questions, right? That sounds like a plan. Yeah. No, I think we've gotten some really good questions. A lot of the questions were the same, um, but I feel like our last, our first podcast, we just kind of went at it, didn't really have a, an agenda, um, just drank maybe too many beers. I mean, that's that's pretty much my whole go at it. But um, I think the first podcast was good, and there was some gold in there. But I really wanted – I don't want to talk about this. This isn't This isn't for me. This isn't for you. We're not doing this for us or, you know, to grow our social media following. Um, we're doing this because podcasts 
particularly in the photography world, don't necessarily help that much. There's not a lot of like actual useful info. And Alex and I are two professional freelance photographers. We make a 100% living from photography. So, you know, we've, we've made some mistakes along the way and we've, you know, done some things right. But regardless, we both now make a full-time living using photography. So we kind of want to share some of the, the things we've learned along the way, but I really wanted to just like ask my audience, the people that follow me, what they want to hear about. So we actually got a ton of good questions. Um, too many to talk about in one episode. Thankfully we're going to make more episodes. Hopefully. So Alex, first question, should you specialize in one niche of photography, Mr. Horse Racing Photographer? Well, I think you should actually. It's And it seems like when you're starting out, and I went through this, it seems kind of counterintuitive. Like you want to be able to shoot everything, but at the same time, if your guy shoots everything, you kind of dilute yourself to the point where you don't really have a strong quality. That might not necessarily be true, but that might be what the market sees outside of you. And I had a, had a friend, we're hanging out and, and she wanted to see my portfolio and I had gone, you know, the horse racing stuff, specialized it and I created her this like little custom portfolio with like some portraiture and some like corporate stuff and a little bit of different stuff, right? And she looked at it and it was just so diluted and she's like, look, she's like, I know you're a great photographer. I know I've seen some awesome work. She goes, I looked at one picture and I gave you the second picture in your portfolio because I know you. She says, if I didn't know you, she's like, I'm not going past that first picture. She's that first picture was not your work. And I thought about that at the time. And I was like, I know it was targeted at a different audience and a different client, but I wasn't putting forth like who I am in my work. I didn't put my best work forward. I put the photo that I thought showed that I was the best technical photographer. And that's what photo let off. It was this like seven light set up, beautiful <laughs> portrait. And it's like, you guys like sitting there and it's, it was like, Technically speaking, it was it's gorgeous. It's a technically beautiful picture, but it's not. It's not it had, like no. You. It wasn't what the work that I created, and I I learned from that. I was like, okay, so I need, and that's kind of when I decided too that I was gonna really like go all in and like just focus really on the horse stuff and be super, super, super dialed in on that because I already kind of carved away. But if I wanted to show that I could be a portrait photographer, right, with my yep. niche in horse racing. Just because I shoot horses doesn't mean I can't shoot portraits in that space. And so I use that as an opportunity to like excel at jockey portraits and like the lifestyle and the people. And I know you do that with F1 stuff because I look at your work all the time and there's some incredible portraiture. And like people think Jamie's just a car photographer, but Jamie can shoot anything and everything. And I think when you look at your work more deeply like I do, I start seeing all that other stuff, you know? Yeah, I mean, I I love that's the, the thing, honestly, I love the most about my job and photography in general is that no day is the same as the last. Like there is no such thing as there's no such thing as Groundhog Day in photography where you go in, you punch your ticket, you sit in a desk and you do the same thing over and over. No, that's true. Well, I did that, not, dude. I did that. Well, okay, I know so what it, that is. It, it exists. It exists, but not in freelance photography. <laughs> no, not in freelance. You're 100 percent. So so to answer the question. I'm I'm also in the same boat as Alex that I have a niche of photography, which is car racing. Everybody would know me for car racing and for automotive stuff, but I also shoot a lot of other stuff, but I don't put it on my website. Like 
if you go to jamiepricephoto.com, you're going to see a bunch of race cars. And I do have a gallery of NFL stuff too, but most of it is race cars. Most of it is automotive stuff because that's what I want to be known for. That's what I want to be hired for. If I get hired for the other stuff, cool. I'm, I'm okay with that. And I'm, you know, obviously, you know, being a freelancer, you're a gun for hire. Anybody with money, I'll take, I'll take their money. I don't really care. So I do, I mean, today I shot portraits, I shot, um, hardware, like faucet and sink and bathroom hardware. And then I finished with a job shooting food. So, and tomorrow I'm flying to Daytona to shoot, you know, practice for, and then the race for the Daytona 24 hour race this weekend. So there's no two days that are the same, but yes, you should specialize in one niche to start with because I don't want to pull up your Instagram and see the smorgasbord of stuff that you are capable of shooting. And I also don't want to see like your, your cat or your dog. I want to see like, if you want to be a motorsport photographer or if you want to be a horse racing photographer, or if you want to be a football photographer or a food photographer, show that exact niche and don't really show anything else because it's going to ultimately hurt you in the beginning, but down the road, like have the ability to shoot anything, but you know, grow your photography and, and then as you become more established and, and start making money and networking and have like random people that you know that have lots of different businesses, you can then take that and earn money from lots of different spectrums like Alex and I do now. Well, yeah, I think it's, I think it is like really become an authority in your field. Like if you're going to do whatever your niche is and maybe it's not cars or horses, but maybe it's, you love like independent music and you want to go photograph rock and roll. I mean, I did that for a little bit. That was kind of fun, but put that work out and like curate your feed and tell the story that you want to tell of that niche work. And if you're really good and you're really talented and you will rise to the top if you're talented. I believe because there's so much good work out there, but if something's exceptional, that's what's going to get someone to stop swiping on a social media feed or someone to stop flipping a magazine page or maybe even someone to look at a billboard and be like, oh, what's that? Like, you know, it's true. I think you can do it through being niche. I think you, you have a better chance to get to your end goals of photography. And like the cool thing about this is too, is like you and I are still growing in photography. And I think like we're going to have ups and downs while we're doing this that we can talk about. And like, even for us, like transitioning our social media following to, I love to show pictures of like the food I shoot or sports or hockey or my other clients. But like the audience that I have and what I'm doing on social media and the story that I'm telling is the story that I've grown up loving horse racing my whole life, which is true. That's all I've known and wanted to be a jockey my whole life. I photograph that now through the eyes of that child. And so that's that's my niche. I don't, I, I don't know anything else. And I've become a photographer through horse racing. I learned remotes. I learned exposure. I learned on the job. And then I took that knowledge and then applied it to the other opportunities. So when I was working in a studio, I wasn't putting out all that corporate work. I shot for 10 years and nobody saw a portrait and I shot some awesome stuff that was recognized outside of the horse racing industry. And I don't share any of that because it just, it doesn't fit the model that I'm going for right now. Maybe in six months I'm decide I'm going to start doing something a little bit different and, and switch. But for right now it's working and I'm going to stick to it. And I think the, so really to sum up what we're saying about this one is if you're starting out, you should, you should specialize in a niche to have your name be recognized in one niche. Then you can like start figuring out 
other niches to go into because I have multiple social media accounts and I have multiple clients, like many, many clients across many different spectrums of photography from food to outdoor and sporting stuff, hunting and fishing, um, and then the car racing stuff. And I'm not known in the food photography realm and I'm not known in the sporting realm, but maybe one day I might want to be. But for now, I'm good with the the car racing and the, the automotive side of it. But I, I have other Instagram accounts because I want to specialize those Instagram accounts. Yeah, I have one just for Charlotte-based work. Yeah. And it's just Charlotte stuff that only people in Charlotte are going to really find interesting. Anybody outside of Charlotte is going to be like, they're just going to look past it and just say, next, I don't need to see that because that's not me. But you can market that account like locally to separately, Charlotte completely yeah, through separately. ads and like push yeah. it to the people that want to see that type of work. And it yep. makes sense. You know, like yep. I'm doing the black yep. and white thing right now is just like a creative project for myself to see because I want that separate look. I don't want to have black and white mixed with color. And I want to tell like a little bit different story, a little bit different voice on that thing. Yep. I'm most likely going to do a side thing as well. But now that we have this, like we're maxing out the Instagrams we can have. So <laughs> Rated raw Instagram. We don't have an Instagram account yet, but we're working on it. <laughs> yeah, we're going to figure it out. I'm probably going to have to run it through my uh, my wife or something. Yeah. Go Ace. Kelly. She's, she's, she's the business operator here. Hey, so you mentioned going from like amateur to pro. And like, do you think that's something like, did you one day just wake up and you're like, I'm a pro photographer today? Or was it just something that like, there's certain traits and certain things that you experienced or certain things that you saw that led you down a path that said, okay, now I would consider myself a pro. Like I've experienced X, Y, and Z. I feel like I'm in the realm to call myself because you can call yourself a photographer. I can call myself a hockey player, but like the fact is I strap on skates. I drink three beers with my buddies and I play the beer league. Like, I'm not and you an take NHL player. Shots at a goal, and that doesn't make you Wayne Gretzky. Dude, I don't even take slash off the goal. I hit the glass to make it sound like I shoot really hard. Like I miss the net 25% of the time. The other 80% of the time, that doesn't even add up. I'm just hanging out. Like, I just put the gear on to look like. So what I'm saying is, though, in in this world, in the photography world, what are some things that like separate the pros from, say, an amateur? If you were a client getting work in, what would you say se- separates people? I, I think I gave you this advice once, didn't I? You did. I know what you're going to say. And it was the most true thing too, because I see it from other people and I'm like, this guy's a clown. And I tell so my wife the same thing. I, I want to tell a quick story real quick. So um, I was asked maybe three years ago to be a, a guest judge of um, the graduating class of a photography school here in Charlotte. So there was three of us on this panel, and basically we were asked to come in and give a live critique. Um, the The seniors were asked to like put together their best portfolio work and um, and really like show us that they were ready to go out into the great big world and be professional photographers. And <laughs> and uh, that's not really how the world works. But um, so we're sitting there, and there's me and these two other professional photographers based in Charlotte. And I remember this girl, I I don't even, I don't remember anything about her except that she shoots fashion stuff and she gets up in front of us and she starts showing us her pictures. And at the end we can ask like questions of these people and be like, okay, so you know, what, what do you want to specialize in? Is there like an area of photography you want to specialize in? Do you have a website and can we see your website? And so she pulls up her website and it's a like smug mug gallery. It's like smugmugs.com slash Jamie Price photo forward slash 
two six nine seven two five four x y z one three seven nine and and the guy sitting next to me um who's a professional professional food photographer he like looks at me and he's like is this girl for real and we were like so do you have an email address and she's like um no we're like do you have a domain name yet and she was like no and she's two weeks away from graduating college and being a professional photographer. AKA your competition, bud. <laughs> yeah. My, my, my wow. local competition. So I, you know, being nice guys, uh, the guy that's sitting next to me, he says, okay, so what's your full name again? And she gives us her full name and he went on GoDaddy right then and there and oh, bought man. her domain name for $10 and was like, you can, I just bought your domain name, like a smugmug.com slash Jamie Price photo forward slash like 10 million numbers is not a professional website <laughs> at all. And, and Flickr is the same thing. Like you're not a professional photographer if you're using Flickr or Smugmug or any other website where it's not your name photography or or whatever your business name is there you're not a professional photographer you're an amateur posting pictures because being a professional photographer is about acting like a professional photographer but also having you know your work and your brand be one thing like coca-cola isn't you know a random it's a brand it's a, a worldwide brand and you have to treat every photography business like a brand and so you have a social media account and a twitter account and a facebook account and a 500 pixels account and whatever else that you want to bring yourself to to be in like all the areas that you then can interact with clients and friends and customers and whoever else want you want to be looking at your pictures but I just thought it was the funniest thing ever when when this guy that I'm on this panel with bought this girl's domain name in front of her and was like, <laughs> come, by, come see me after this this thing is done and I will I will sell you your domain for ten dollars and fifty cents because you need you need a you you need an email you need a website you need all of that stuff and to say if you're trying to make money with like <clears throat> I don't even know I mean my my old AOL like screen name is embarrassing and I'm not going to say it. We're going to say it one day. We're going to go into that. That's going to be a segment is like side <laughs> bad screen names. Cause I have a story for you about a buddy of mine and that I found his. But and you, it's bad. So like if, if you're, if, if you are like approaching a, a client that wants to buy your pictures and they're like, how can I get a hold of you? What's your email? And it's like horse racing fan at AOL.com. I'm like, Oh my God. So I don't know. I, there's a lot of ways to to become a professional photographer, but the easiest one is to treat yourself like a professional photographer. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Would you have no. what, what would you add to that? Well, I would add that your buddy who bought that domain for ten dollars and fifty cents or whatever it was, I would have taught that student the first thing about market value and I'd be like, This domain <laughs> is now worth hundred and fifty dollars, you idiot. And that's the real life, man. That's the way it yeah. works. That you domain was worth $10.50, you know, 30 minutes ago, but now different market, bud. We we got it. He got a, a big applause and laugh out of that because it was really funny. I, mean, I hope she, she took it well because he probably didn't mean it to be did, mean. She took it really well, but I think it was a, it was a great learning experience that, that minute, that like that minute where we were kind of like, do you have a website? And she was like, no, an email address. No. I think Nothing. it's like 
further, like maybe a little bit further back and maybe, maybe kids now that are just getting into the photography thing and you have Instagram, you have Twitter and you have all these other social platforms where you maybe weren't sending out so many cold emails and you're, you know, you're operating under like the DM. Cause I think the DM is super powerful for getting clients and, and, and Rolex, going that way. Rolex DM'd me like Rolex, like they, New York sent me a, they, a DM said, and was like, Hey, we're like interested in looking at your photography and using you for a couple events. And, and and she said, she was like, I really apologize for sending you a DM about this and not an email. And I was like, no, it's cool. I mean, it's another way to communicate. But well, dude, you know. I mean, did you say, cause I'm a big fan of barter and you know, I've, I've, I've worked with some clients that are startups and I've taken equity in the company that I believe in them. No. Would you be able to like do product trade for maybe like a, like a day date? Really? I'm a, a Filson man. Oh, dude, hey, I got a fake Rolex in Hong Kong with a buddy one night when we were drinking and uh, we went into this sketchy area get this watch. It was like $40 us and it was awesome. And I loved it to death and it was, so and then fake. it stopped working. It was no, it stopped working because my wife knocked it and <clears throat> it landed on some tile and cracked the glass on it. And I'd acquired my grandfather's uh watch from the fifties and I had just had it fixed. So I take the fake Rolex to the guy and he looks at me and he goes, dude, he's like, I fixed your real watch for you. He's like, get this piece of garbage out of here. <laughs> I was like, it broke too. It did break. The strap broke and I like glued it together when I was on a shoot. And, and yeah. So basically so, what I'm saying so what, is, what were you saying? Yeah. Is, uh, get a real DMs. one for me, bud. No, I want to work with you as like an assistant and you can get me the, the day date. <laughs> <laughs> that's where we're going. Hey, yeah. but you, so, Hey, so you talk about getting clients though and getting like, that's crazy to get a DM from Rolex. I would have thought it was fake. At first. No, but like it came, it came from, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't like Rolex. It was, uh, well, it, it wasn't the Rolex account, but yeah. Associated with. Yes. I think in the modern era though, like the DM and like, that's why having a voice on social media, you talked about branding yourself with like the email, the website, the social media presence, but also when you're on those channels, I think the voice that you take you need to assume and just start it from a young age. Like if you're 16, 17, whatever it is, have a positive voice on there that brands want to associate with. If you're dropping, I mean, I use foul language, but I try to curtail it on social media a little bit. But if you're posting like pictures of you, you know, smoking blunts or doing other things, that's client facing 24 seven. And I think you need to be cognizant about that. I have, I have a private account for that stuff. I have a private account that only my Finsta? my close friends. What? Yeah, on Instagram. Don't you follow it? I'll, no, I I'll, don't. I'm not a close friend. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll message you. I'll message you uh, that account later. But yeah, you're right. Like it, it's client facing, and I, I mean, I swear, and and I try and be real and not a fake yeah. version of myself because I think there's a lot of there's a lot of fake out there, which is really why we're doing this podcast is because I I just don't really see a lot of genuine like honest interactions between people it's all just fluff and there's no like harsh reality and it's and i i want to like i don't want to really do this but i kind of want to call out some of the crap that i get from instagram where kids are like i just bought a camera and i'm going to become an f1 photographer this year it's like no you're not (laughs) just don't set up those expectations you haven't put in the work 
Anyway, yeah, yeah. it's I don't know. We just, I the, that talk I did this week with with Mike Smith and Bob Baffert, and actually hearing Bob Baffert's story and talk about like his journey, which you don't really hear about when he's doing the NBC interviews. It's really like no. him up as the legend. And I was like, he told this incredible part, and I don't want to say this parallels to photography, but he was a legend in he was a jockey before he was a trainer, right? And I didn't he rode, know that he rode quarter horses for his family, right? Wow, and so. He said, quote unquote, he wasn't athletic enough to be a real good jockey. Yeah, but, you kind of need to have that honest, like, you need to be have that honest self-awareness to say, I'm not good enough to do this. Maybe I should do this. Or maybe I'm not good enough yet. But his the, yeah. the, the his legend that he looked up to, you know, he rode a race and, he, and he, he told him, he's like, look, if you don't think you can be the best at this, he's like, don't even try. And yeah. he went home, thought about it, and he goes, I'm not going to be, I can't be the best jockey. I'm not, I, I don't have this. I don't have the drop, whatever it is. He sold his saddle, all his tack. Like he said he regretted it. Now he'd love to give it to the racing hall of fame, but he sold his tack and he shifted and went and became a trainer and started training quarter horses at and that now point. He's an effing legend. Of and he's a legend, racing. but like it wasn't, it wasn't easy for him. He was, he didn't like wake up and he's like, I'm, I'm going to train the next triple crown winner. Like he was into a jockey, he pivoted, he did this, he like learned one thing. Then when he got into thoroughbred racing, he had to change the way he trained from quarter horses to thoroughbreds, which is not photography, but it is being adaptable and like not setting up unreal expectations for yourself when you're starting out. Like I'm going to be this photographer here. And I know it's easy to compare yourself on social media and see people like traveling the world or taking pictures here and there. They don't, they don't see the work that you put into becoming Alex Evers. They don't see the work that I've put into becoming who I am and, and the clients that I have. Like I have great clients, but they just assume that it's, I have, you know, I didn't always have thousands. great clients. <clears throat> like there well, were right. days and, where they weren't there, you know, yeah, we just same. weren't talking about it back then. I do you ever listen to um have you ever listened to Dax Shepard's podcast um Armchair Expert? No, no, I haven't. I'm a good friend of Dax Shepard's actually. You you personally just, know him? I do. I have met him once. That's um, legit. He ran, We're name he dropping super, so hard right now. He ran a Super Trofeo race with us and it was it was a lot of fun. It was one of the coolest weekends of my life, but um so Dax Shepard brought on Josh Duhamel who's a mm-hmm. um Pretty famous actor. Yeah, Josh Mel. B-list actor. I don't know. A-list if you're a chick, but uh, B-list if you're a normal dude. He's been in some stuff. And he was telling this really interesting story about his his progression to becoming a a actor, like a really well-known, paid professional actor. And it really it resonated with me because I get asked so often, and I know you do too, about how to become, you know, who we are and how to get clients and how to shoot races and how to, you know, become a professional photographer where you have these big name clients. And Josh's story was basically what every actor's story, no actor just arrives. They don't just like show up and on the (laughs) like golden globes and they're like, I am here. Shower me with awards. Like they, they, they do modeling gigs and they do, you know, shitty local gigs and And they do tables soap operas and the stuff that no one wants to do and everybody shits on and looks down upon it's the exact same in photography and it annoys me to no end that people just think that you buy a camera and suddenly you're going to be shooting f1 and Le Mans and daytona and sebring and you know hong kong and the kentucky derby and the breeders cup and all these big name races and big name sporting events you don't just buy a camera and just suddenly 
you're a professional. You have to work at it. You shoot the stuff that no one wants to shoot for years if it takes it. Like it took it's you, true. what, a decade to get to over a decade to become freelance the like Alex sustainable Evers. freelance I, well Alex Evers yeah myself to be like shooting the things that I want to shoot and getting to the point where you and I've talked about it but we're the point where you can say no to a client you know at the beginning it's really hard like when you're starting out you don't want to give your work away for free too but at the same time you don't really have a portfolio you don't really have anything to go off of so maybe you do have to work some free gigs here and there there's, kind there's of along ways the way to do it without undercutting yourself in the industry which is really like there's a and that was one of the biggest questions I got from when I kind of pulled people is asking people asking like how to how to you know what to price and and when to charge what price and how to know what your day rate is or per image use and when you're starting out like I get it it's tough we all did it and we did some I did some stuff for cheaper than I should have but at the same time I also didn't do if a company should can pay they should pay like i'm not giving my pictures away to big name clients i was giving pictures away to like a local magazine because i knew that relationship would then blossom into something that i could grow did it work and and now i'm the staff photographer for the magazine so it's a marketing expense at that point right yeah, it's a marketing expense, but there's just a lot, there's a lot of, there's a lot of legwork that people, I don't, I don't want to say it's a millennial thing. I don't want to, I don't want to go down that path, no. but, um, well, I mean, I think it, now it, though, there, there's, there's something to be said about it though. Like there's, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of people that are willing to really put in the legwork for a job that they really want these days. They just, they go to. They just, it's like the Tinder world. You, you swipe and you, you get a match and you swipe and you get a match and there's not a lot of work to it. Whereas now if you, if you want to be a doctor, you're going to school for a decade. If you want to be a lawyer, you're going to school for a decade. If you want to be a photographer, you, you can't just like show up and in court and say, I am here, give me a case. I'm going to knock it out of the park because you're going to get laughed at and they're going to put you in cuffs, honestly. (laughs) So it's the same with photography. Like if you want it bad enough and you want to be at that top level with, with myself and with the colleagues that I shoot next to and Alex and, and, or any big name sporting event or food or whatever portraiture, if you want to be shooting for GQ or vanity fair, you got to start with like the local neighborhood models that will do it for free. And then, you know, you can kind of work up and build that portfolio, but you're not going to get it instantly. It comes down to like being a street hustler and just like finding a way in. I don't know. I'm sure you get you get the messages and stuff all the time, and I do too. And it's the advice that I give, but I'm just not prepared to take on assistance right now. But like, I think if you find somebody that you want to learn from, like, message them, email them, see him at the racetrack. Like, they, like my buddy Chris that's helping me out now. Like, it's crazy how I met him because he just walked up to me after like, he stayed two hours after the races one day. I, I don't know how he did it. He was like 16, 15 or 16 at the time. He got like a little point and shoot Sony thing. I don't even know what he had. I couldn't, couldn't tell you, but he stayed and waited and walked with me to my car and we chatted and he's like, oh, you know, I really want to meet you, blah, blah, blah. We start talking about horses, this, that, the other. I see a little bit of myself in him and like he's now working, helping me out. It wasn't a DM. It wasn't an email. It wasn't anything, but it was just at that moment in time, 
I built this, we built this relationship and this connection. It's kind of developed into that. But I think that's how you get in is, and you learn some of these things and you get advice. Now I'm texting, emailing him. If he has questions on stuff, he's doing so, work outside of horse racing now, doing video work for a local news station. And it's, so I feel a, awesome to be able to help him and give him a little bit of guidance. Cause I didn't have that when I was 16, 17. I didn't pick up a camera till I was 20, 21. But having, I think, a little bit of that is is important. I think that's kind of what we're here to is like to talk through this. Maybe you can listen to this. Maybe you can learn from these experiences and tailor kind of your behavior and what you're going to do a certain type of way. So that's a good segue because one of the other questions I got was um, how to turn acquaintances into clients and also how to to network with with people and get clients out of that because I know I kind of talked about this in the first podcast we did, but you know, I've, I've had a lot of success with networking and turning people that I know from a personal relationship into people that are now paying me for photography work. Oh really? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's ultimately kind of what the, the magazine staff job I have is, Oh yeah, yeah. Is born from, but also from, um, you know, where you, you make one acquaintance at a wedding like I did with Ducati. I think I told that story in the first podcast, but I sat next to a guy and ended up working for Ducati. Then his you boss ended that. up working. I didn't? No. Are you sure? You told how sure. you got how NASCAR and Getty and, and all that nonsense and Lamborghini, sure. but you didn't tell the Ducati story. So should I tell the Ducati story again? Yeah. If, I mean, if you're making person, if you're building, because I, I <laughs> haven't converted a friend to personal thing, like, a lot of stuff that I do for friends, I just kind of comp them because I'm not okay, trying to do business but, with friends. So, uh, okay, let me tell. Tell the this story. story I want to hear it because this is I want to okay. learn, man. You don't need to learn anything. From I need me. to learn everything. Um, so, in 2012, I was still working at a security company selling selling burglar alarms, fire alarms, and I was customer service bitch and uh, just the guy that was answering phones and putting out fires with people that were unhappy. <laughs> And it wasn't what I wanted to do for a living, um, but it was great just to have that financial security for the moment um, until I became professional. So I went to a friend of mine's wedding, and I didn't get a plus one. Thanks, Kyle. And uh, (laughs) (coughs) I I was dating somebody at the time and didn't get a plus one, and he was like, but I'm going to do you a favor. I'm going to sit you next to a friend of mine who works for Ducati. And I was like, cool, at least we'll have something to talk about, if nothing else. So I show up at the wedding and <clears throat> I hit it off with this guy and we sit down and, and we're chatting and he's like, so what do you do? And I'm, I say, I'm a photographer because even though I wasn't a professional photographer, I said, I'm a photographer because that's what I wanted to be. That's what I, that's what I saw myself as. I wasn't Absolutely. like, oh yeah, I sell, I sell like burglar alarms. <laughs> you weren't like, Hey, uh, I, I'm a, I'm an insurance salesman, but I got a camera and I kind of take pictures on the side. You yeah. Know, like- so I'm I'm a photographer. I really I'm a I'm a motorsport photographer. And he was like, "Oh, that's cool. I work for Ducati." And I was like, "Oh, so you're the guy I'm supposed to talk to all night." So <laughs> we talk we talk all night and we hit it off and and he's super cool and he's still a, a good friend of mine to this day. He hires me for um Pikes Peak Hill Climb in 2012. And it was like one of the first big commercial jobs that I ever had working for an automotive client. Like I know motorcycles are not cars but it was like in that kind of world and so i i shoot pike's peak for him it was awesome it was good money um it was more money than i ever thought i'd be making and his boss 
came to Pikes Peak Hill Climb for the race day, and I met him, and and he like saw the pictures afterward and knew that I'd done a good job, and then he left and went for went to work for Lamborghini. Oh, and, and that's the connection. So when I put in the bid to be the series photographer for Lamborghini Super Trofeo, this guy was the one that was like ultimately the decision maker and who which photographer was hired for this event or for this for this race series. And he was like, I know Jamie. I remember Jamie. I want to hire Jamie. And to the so I've had Lamborghini now as a regular client. I'm not contract like I'm not like on staff or anything, but I've had Lamborghini as a client since 2013 and I've gotten almost probably 80% of my work can somehow be daisy chain traced back to that meeting at that wedding. So had you got a plus one, were you with your wife at that time? No. So you would have been there with like a girlfriend. You probably would have been like hanging out with her or been at the bar or something. You would have missed the, yeah. missed the connection. Yeah. So that was probably the best not plus one ever <laughs> of your life. Right. So you should the, be thanking him. One of my, yeah, I know. Thanks. Um, but like one of the people that messaged me yesterday was like, I know we've all heard the Ducati story because I do tell it. It's kind of, it was, I'm really lucky in that it was really the catalyst for my career getting launched. Um, and I know that's partially luck, but you make your own luck and networking is one of those things. If you, if you can't hit it off with somebody, if you can't connect on a personal level, if I just like shaken hands with this guy and said, you know, nice to meet you, you know, I, I like, I like Ducati's too. Nice to meet you. Like this shrimp cocktail is pretty tasty. And then that like the weather sucks or whatever we're talking about. If you can't connect on a personal level with somebody, it's not going to blossom into a, a relationship. And I think that's something that you're really good at. And I would like to think that I am too, in that you can, you can just talk to people. You can connect with people and you can have fun and you can joke and laugh and people want to be around you. And that's how you turn it into, uh, from, a, from like just meeting somebody on a plane. I've gotten clients from, yeah, meeting, same. from sitting next to people on planes. A hat that I was it's, wearing one time. One of my yeah, big clients just, was that way. Yeah. It's just like, you just meet people and if you can't talk to them, if you can't relate with them or just even have a fun conversation like it doesn't have to be all like serious and business like you can also talk about I love fly fishing fly fishing is my thing and some of my like biggest clients outside of the motorsport world have come from just dudes that like fly fishing with me and we just hit it off and it becomes a personal relationship that then becomes a business relationship and it's not like people so back to this networking question Networking is a, a really broad topic, but ultimately it comes down to your ability to relate to other human beings. And if you aren't a good social person, yep. you're just an artist. And just an artist doesn't mean you're going to be a good professional photographer because being a professional photographer is not just clicking a button. It's not just making the picture. You have to sell the next picture. You have to sell the next weekend's work so that you can pay for this amazing office you have in your backyard, Alex. Like Dude, how, I that's mean, how it works. I went on, a, I was on a, I was out at a, a gala event on a shoot. So we have the, the shoot in Hong Kong and they'll do like a big, the world's best jockey party. Right. And so a year before I go, I'm not trying to convert clients at all. I never thought I was going to be back. I'm just partying the whole time, which is just generally how I am. I'm like, I'm lucky to be here. It's it's a fun trip, it's a vacation, whatever, right? Well, now I've converted this into a client 
off of a good shoot, whether it's luck or not, you know, whatever, you, whatever it is, I had a good shoot, put the pictures on social media. They saw them. That's how I get brought in. We come back the next year, same gala party, show up, dress super nice. I normally look like a hobo when I'm on shoots. I'm rolling around in the mud, like put this nice suit on, have one drink and go around and meet and talk and do work the whole room the whole night to show face with these clients, thank them for the opportunity, have a drink, build a connection, whatever it may be. But to me, it was more important to show face with them than go out and drink with the buddies that I see every you know couple of weeks at these different shoots. And I think it's converting that and it's building that personal relationship. Like you said, I give this advice to people that ask me about wedding photographers as you're getting married and being a photographer, you get asked about this all the time. And I told them, look, at the end of the day, when you have two, three portfolios in front of you and they're all pretty much the same, I don't want to desecrate and you know, say anything bad about wedding photography, but for the most part, it's all the same camera gear. It's all the same exposures, right? Pictures are pictures. Yep. Who do you want to spend the happiest day of your life with sticking a camera in your face for eight hours on that day over and over and over and over and over again? I mean, that's like, it breaks it down to that. And it's like the same thing with other clients. Like when you're on a deadline, who do you want to do that? The guy who's affable is fun is, yeah, we're going to get this done. Or the guy who's like, Oh, I can't believe you asked me to rework this picture again. It's it's nine o'clock at night. I was I was thinking about uh, going to sleep. You know, like so. Is that you, like, you jump through hoops when you need pre- to jump through hoops, and a, you're more willing to do it if you know the person and they know you, and there's that personal relationship. On a on the second leg of the triple crown this year, one of my clients was there with their whole tent and people and everything like that, and I'd done some work for them. So they're like, "Hey, let's go have a beer." So it's like it's one drink. It's like twelve o'clock. We end up watching Twenty One Savage and Post Malone in the infield and just looking at this debacle. We're talking about that six months down the line, still like, dude, remember that time we saw the girl fall yeah. in the mud? And it's just like I have, I have it's so many stuff. of those types of stories where it's yeah. it's fun. And if you're if you are memorable in ways that are like. You know, like not just oh, trying, trying to get story not just you. trying to sell yourself. Like it's not. I'm not trying to to yeah. like sell Jamie Price photo. Like every time I pick up a beer, I'm not trying to like. You know, I'm not a I'm not a like door to door salesman. You are. Like, I see you pick up a beer and drop a business card like it's those free lunches. You're like, oh, can I get a uh, can I get a beer? Here's a Jamie Price business card. You need a photo? Yeah. <clears throat> Hey, you, you, you want a portrait done, man? <laughs> I saw you one time in <laughs> Vegas on the strip with the cards like this. Photo. <laughs> Photo. <laughs> it's it's not like that. And it shouldn't be because no. this is this is a I think this is something that people forget in that photography is a business. It is. This is a business. So, you know, there's to Coca-Cola and Pepsi and you know, all these other big brands, they have the luxury of of being brand names just because they're who they are, but we are not those people. So you need to have that brand that's that people like know for for whatever it is, but it better not be a bad reason. If you're fun and you're and you're good to be around, those are the people you want to hire again. As assistants, you know, I want to work with people that are are fun, talented, but fun. Like I don't want to not yeah. hang out with you after the races. Like when you and I shoot Breeders' Cup in the Derby, we want to hang out. Like I want to hang out with you. Technically, I'm working for you, but yeah, I want to hang true. out with you. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, when we're looking at building teams for some of these big events, like, and it comes down to like photographer A, photographer B, or photographer C. Like I'm gonna pick the guy, even if he's a little bit more expensive. The guy who I want to be around, who I can trust, is gonna get the job done. But that we're gonna have fun on the shoot. That it's not gonna be like stressful. Like 
is he did he wake up on the wrong side of the bed today can i like say yeah. this that like, yeah. you know whatever it is you want to work with those people that are fun look bud we're here close i want to say we're at about 40 something minutes here i think that's we a can good take, place to wrap it I you want to wrap it or we can save pricing we can save pricing for next time we've got a couple we topics got, we, we gotta got keep photos. we gotta keep them coming back though so that's let's true. we can save and it st- and we still have to tell bob costas stories Oh, Bob. Before Didn't Bob officially retires. Did he retire or get fired? Uh, I don't really care. I don't know. Do I? <laughs> we'll tell the story, though. It's still the best. Okay. We'll tell the story next time. But I think that's a good place to end. And, and I think we've covered a lot. But I think we've also got places, like other things we can talk about for the next one. And Absolutely. I don't know how many of these we'll end up doing. <laughs> So we get bored of each other and beer enough beers to, you know, we can't go through any more beer. We'll have to uh, support FedEx and start shipping each other beers. Hey, so you so, want to take uh, uh, you want to take uh, some questions? We'll put some questions out on social media at Jamie Price Photo at yep, a hit, underscore Evers. Yep, hit me at Jamie Price Photo um, and Alex a underscore Evers. We're both available twenty four seven three sixty five. We do not take holidays or days off because we're freelance photographers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got money. I will work. I will take a call. <laughs> all right guys that's it that's episode two i'm gonna come with the fire energy at the end Woo!